Deuteronomy chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse 7. I invite you when you have that to stand with me this morning in reverence to God's Word. The Bible says, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all the law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligent, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on earth and so that they may teach their children. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded to you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land that you're going over to possess. You may be seated. Yeah, I really hate when I forget where I put something. Some of the biggest delays in my life to being to where I was supposed to be, and I I mean that physically, not some type of metaphor of where I should be in life, but, but being late to something, which I often am, it often has to do with the fact that I have forgotten where I put something. Whether it be my keys, which is often the case, although if you've seen my keys, you understand that these are kind of hard to lose. They're pretty large and they make a lot of noise, but maybe it's my phone, although luckily there's technology that allows me to find some other electronic device that will locate my phone for me. Or it's my wallet. I've, I've set it down somewhere and you would say, well, you know, what you should do is you should take your stuff and put it in the same place every evening. And That's true, and that would probably be good. Now, that doesn't guarantee that one of the many other people who live in my home won't make it disappear from the place that I had put it. But it's always difficult when you forget something and you are running on a tight schedule. You can't find where it is, and you have to begin to look for it. And it takes time, and it never fails that in my case, it's it's either fallen behind something, it's fallen in the cushions of the couch, it's laying and slid up under the bed or something like that. But you forget where you've put it because you don't remember. You know, it doesn't seem like it's been that long ago, right? I mean, it never fails that I, you know, I just had it the day before. If it was my keys, I had used them to drive home. A number of years ago, I came home late from church and I'd went out into the backyard. It was before we moved here. I went out into the backyard and checked on my dogs and come back inside, went to bed and got up the next morning, my keys were gone. 
Well, there's only a certain number of places they could be, right? They could either be in the house or they would be in the yard between where I walked to check on the dogs and back, right? It has to be because I, I drove the car there. Years went by, and I never found those keys. Matter of fact, we were packing up to move here, and I figured that would be the time when those keys would be located, and yet they're still never to be found. A big set, just like this one, couldn't have been in the yard because a mower would have surely hit it and destroyed the entire lawnmower, considering how many keys I had. I forgot where I'd put them. If I had been able to remind myself, well, this was the point where you left them, this is the point where you set them down, then surely it at some point I would have remembered and there they would have been and everything would have been fine. I wouldn't have had to get an entire ring of keys made again. It's important to remind ourselves of things. It's important to constantly remind ourselves of, of some things. This text this morning talks to us about reminding ourselves about the Word of God. Reminding ourselves about what God has done, reminding ourselves about His works, reminding ourselves about His statutes, His commands, His rules, because it's important. In fact, this morning, I want us to consider five reasons that it is necessary for us as believers in Christ to remind ourselves about the words of God. Five reasons it's important for us to remind ourselves about the words of God. Because I would propose to you this morning that we can easily forget what God has said. We can easily forget what God has done. And we can very easily forget what God has commanded us to do. You know, we get busy. I mean, life is, is busy. It's hectic. There's, there's always stuff going on. There's always places that we've got to be and things that we've got to do and, and roles that we have in life that are important. This is not to minimize those things. Your role as a mother or father, your role as a son or daughter, your role as a, a friend or a worker in, in your company, a teacher in your school, a student, all of those roles that we have in life are important. But oftentimes we get so busy in those rules, we get so busy doing those things that that we forget. We forget what God has done for us. And so this morning, I want us to consider these five reasons it's necessary to remember, constantly remember the words of God. Let's look, beginning in verse 7, at, at what Moses is writing here for us in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God to us whenever we call upon his name? It's good news this morning, right? The, the Lord God is near to us when we call upon him. I, I, would, I would even argue that, that for us as Christians, the, the Lord our God is closer to us than even the people here in the Old Testament are experiencing because God has sent his spirit to dwell in us. He says, what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law I set before you today? The first reason that we should remind ourselves often of the Word of God is that there are no words so righteous as God's words. There are no words so righteous as God's words. 
you know, they're about to enter this, this land here in Deuteronomy. If you were with us last week, I, I kind of gave you some of the context of this. The, the people of God are about to enter into the promised land. And as they're entering into the promised land, Moses is seeking to prepare them for what is ahead. And one of the things that they're going to encounter is a group of people, several nations of people, who follow false gods. And so he reminds them that the words that they have here in these statutes and laws, the the laws that have been given now for the book of Exodus and in the book of uh, Leviticus and the book of Numbers, and now we come to, uh, to Deuteronomy, God has given them these laws and they are righteous. There are no other words so righteous as the ones God have given We remind ourselves often of the Word of God because the Word of God is where we have life. There are no other words out there that provide life like the Word of God. We hear all kinds of things in our day. We have such great uh, commentators on society. We have philosophers who have written throughout history and and they've they've shaped our very uh, worldview. They've shaped our... uh, country, they've shaped our economy, they've shaped our culture, but they're not like the words of God. If you're like me and you're interested in the founding of our country and you ever look at the documents that that compose the the, the founding and the core of our country, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of our country, when you read those words, they're very impressive, right? I mean, they have they have founded the greatest nation in the world. You think about those men who gathered in Philadelphia to to write and sign the Declaration of Independence, and they, they did so risking their life. What they did, this concept, because that's all it was, was a, a concept in their mind of, of what a, a country should be and how a, a people should be organized. And the language is, is wonderful. I mean, nobody writes like that anymore. You, know, you listen to a politician's speech today and you go, eh, you know, compared to what these guys used to say, I mean, the, the, the things that they wrote, you think about Lincoln and his Gettysburg Address. It's short, just a few minutes. And yet it's one of the, the most enduring speeches in American history. The words were powerful. They, they shaped a nation. They changed the course of our our history, they, they showed the resolve that our nation had to come back together after it had been divided. We learn these things in school, right? And they're, they're incredible. But they don't have the same character as the words of God. Because they, they don't give life. They don't have the ability to, to change someone's eternal destiny. And so while we think about those things and we're reminded of those things and we're coming to a, a, a period in, in our history every four years where we have these elections and, and you're going to hear slogans, but, but do they carry the same weight as the Word of God? They're catchy, right? But we as, as Christians need to constantly remind ourselves of what God has said because His words are righteous. His words are pure. His words offer us life. And so as the people of God were about to go into this 
promised land, they need to be reminded of what God has said often because it's going to change everything for them. It's going to set them apart. Moses starts at that. What great nation is there that has a God so near as our God? In other words, these nations may be great, but we have God with us. These nations may be great in verse 8, but... But we have God and we have His statutes and we have His rules. We have what He has offered us and what He has said. And there is nothing more righteous. We remind ourselves because there are no words so righteous. But next, look in verse 9. We remind ourselves because, frankly, we are prone to forget God's works. We're prone to forget what God has done. We remind ourselves of His words because His words remind us of His works, and we are prone to forget those. Look at verse 9. Only take care and keep your soul diligent, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Now think about this. These people who, who Moses is writing to here, they had not heard about what God had done, had, had done to them. They had not heard it. They had seen it. They, they had not heard it from a second or third or fourth generation. They had witnessed it with their own eyes. And he said, even though you've witnessed it with your own eyes, you've seen the mighty works of God, you have seen what He has done in your midst, you're prone to forget it. How is that even possible? How is it possible that you could witness what God had done? They're, they're going to be reminded here of an event that happened in in the place at Horeb, it happened at Mount Horeb, and they had, they had went and they had seen God's presence, and it had scared them. It's interesting, Moses doesn't mention that part here. But they had been terrified. They had, it scared them so bad that they had said to, to Moses to say to God, you know, why don't you talk to Moses and not us? Why don't you talk to Moses, and then he can tell us what happened, because we're... We're a little frightened. It had been that type of dramatic event in their life, and yet somehow they had forgotten about what God had done. And he, he wanted to remind them. He wanted to tell them to remind themselves so that they would not forget what had taken place. Well, how much more so for us, who when we read the Bible, we're in awe of the things that God has done, but we have not witnessed those things happen. How easy is it then for us to forget those things when they happen to someone else? We forget about the works of God. Oh, we, we might remember the Bible stories that we were told in Sunday school as we were growing up. We might remember those things. We might remember how Noah was on the ark, and we might remember how uh, Jonah was in the fish, and we might remember how David had killed Goliath, and, and those, those stories that we we're told are kids' stories, although all of those are horrific stories of God's judgment, but you know, somehow we've made them into kids' stories. You know, God destroys the whole world of the flood. God conquers a people by defeating their giant. God punishes and judges a prophet who had refused to do what he had said and he ends up in the belly of a fish, but somehow we made those kids' stories. Not sure how we got the destruction of the world as a kid's story, but that's what Noah has become. But when we remember them as kids' story, have we not forgotten the works of God? 
there, our God is both a God of judgment in destroying the world of the flood and a God of, of peace and a God of mercy by saving the human race through one man and his family. How in the story of Jonah, God is a God of, of judgment judging Jonah because he refused to obey God and yet a God of mercy because he spares Nineveh, this evil, wicked people. All they do is repent and God saves them. See, we forget the works of God. And we need to be reminded of them. Because they're for our benefit that they have been written down in His Word. They're not a collection of stories to be put on your shelf and pulled out from time to time when you want to encourage your children with this or when you're feeling down about that. It's something for us to be reminded of often. Because the works of God reveal His character. The works of God are revealed in His Word. The works of God tell us about God and who He is and what He has done for us and how He has loved us enough to send His Son. That His Son would die for us even though we are wicked. Well, how do you know we're wicked? Well, God tells us about it in His Word. How do we know about the works of His Son, Christ? Well, guess what? It's from His Word. That's why we remind ourselves of it often because we will forget. Not only do the stories become fuzzy so we don't remember anymore about Moses leading the people across the Red Sea, that story becomes fuzzy, the details become fuzzy if we don't remind ourselves. But, but the whole purpose of the story, the whole purpose of why Moses did that, why God led him to lead them across the Red Sea, the whole purpose of God's deliverance of his people out of Egypt, that becomes fuzzy when we don't often remind ourselves of the works of God. We forget. We're prone to forget. And, and Moses lays that out for them. Hey, you have witnessed this. You have seen this happen. And yet you're forgetting about it. Be reminded often. And what happens when we forget? Well, the Word departs from our heart. That's the third reason we need to remind ourselves often of the words of God. is because we are prone to allow the words to depart from our heart. Look at the last part of verse 9. And lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Not only have you forgotten, he says, and not only are you prone to forget the, the works that I have done, the things that you have seen, but you're also prone to allow my word to escape from your heart. If you're a Christian this morning, do you remember the time when you were first saved? The, the, the time when you were first converted to Christ? There, there, was, a, there was a time, maybe it was a process, I believe in most people there's a, a process. But, but there's also a time. A point in time where, where we, we repent of our sin and we follow after Christ. Do you, do you remember that if you're a Christian this morning? Do you remember where that was? I would think, most likely, if, even if it was for a short period of time, there's a lot of excitement about that. At that point when you surrendered your life to Christ... When you heard his calling in your life and you said, Christ, I'm a sinner. Christ, save me. I'm trying to go over all the, the different possibilities here, so at least one of them, I hope, relates to you if you are a believer in Christ. 
When that happens, there's, there's an excitement that takes place when we, when we are converted, when we come to Christ. There's an excitement because we have this, this newfound relationship with Him. But many times that begins to fade, especially if it's not cultivated. And unfortunately, for so long in the church, we've not done a good job trying to cultivate people's relationship with Christ, trying to encourage them in their relationship with Him, disciple them into a greater relationship with Christ. And so often that begins to to fade. Well, what has happened, what at least Moses is worried about happening and, and wants to stop from happening is this idea that these people have seen the works of God. They have seen his, his mighty acts. They have heard of his statutes. They have heard his rules. They're prepared to enter into the promised land. And, and then somehow their, their heart just kind of begins to fade. They begin to forget they begin to forget how, how good God has been to get them. They begin to forget the things that they have seen. They begin to forget, and, and those things begin to escape their heart. They're not there anymore. See, as a Christian, one of the driving forces in our lives is what Christ has done for us. In fact, I would say for a Christian, that should be the driving force in your life is what Christ has done for you, the the great offering of salvation that He has given to you. Because if not, then we're going to be motivated by the things of this world and our motivations will not be found in heaven, but they'll be found here. They'll be found in this place where we're just kind of journeying through, we're kind of passing through this, this life. We're going to be here for a while and then it's going to be gone and we have an eternity ahead of us in heaven. But if, if the things of God begin to escape our heart, if they're not the driving force behind who we are and what we do, then something's going to motivate us. Because we're human beings and that's what happens. Something motivates you. The world's motivated by all kinds of things. Maybe you're motivated by all kinds of things. But unless Christ becomes the motivator of our heart, the driving force of our heart, we'll never be who God wants us to be. We'll never do the things that God wants us to do. Well, how do we, how do we ensure that Christ stays at the, at the center of our heart, that stays the motivation of our heart? Well, friends, it's by reminding ourselves often of the Word of God. Because when we read the Word of God, when we hear the Word of God preached, when we're learning the Word of God, when we're meditating on the Word of God, what we find is that God speaks to our heart and He directs our heart and He fills our heart. And then our heart doesn't forget. Our heart doesn't forget who He is and what He has done. Our our heart doesn't forget those things. We must constantly remind ourselves of the Word of God. He wanted to give them an example in these verses. This is the example that He provides. There's probably examples that you would find in your own life, but in verses 10 through 12, there's this this remembrance, this this history lesson that He gives about the day that that they stood before the Lord God at Horeb and He he gathered all of them together and God spoke to them and he, He told them His things. 
They came near and stood at the foot of the mountain. We read in verse 11, the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven. It was wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. It's a a terrible description. It's a frightening time. And God wants them to remember that. Why? Because it was so terrible? No. Because it was so frightening? That's not the reason. Because it was this great moment in God's relationship with His people. It was a moment of decision. It was a moment of covenant. It's a moment when He gives them these commandments that are going to be the foundation for their their law. It's going to be foundation for their relationship with Him. It's going to be the foundation for their society. In fact, it's going to be the foundation for Western civilization, though they don't realize it yet. They're not even a, a Western people. They're an Eastern people. And yet those Ten Commandments are going to become the basis for generations of civilization. It's a pivotal moment in their relationship. And every time they begin to stray, every time they begin to question God's power, question His commitment to them, wonder if He is real, if He is listening, if He is there, their minds can recall this moment and that covenant agreement that He has with them can be reaffirmed in their heart because they have seen His power. Friends, when we read God's Word, we study it, when you think about it, it reminds you of that relationship that you have with Him. If we don't do that, our hearts are prone to forget. Friends, if the only time you hear God's Word is when you show up here on Sunday morning, your heart is going to be prone to forget. It seems to me like I'm, I'm always getting ready for, for the next Sunday, for the next service, that it's, it's, it's coming often. I mean, it's, it's just every week. But at the same time, there's, there's a lot of stuff that happens between now when, when we end the service in a few minutes and when we gather again next Sunday. Some of you will go to school for, for, for five days. You're glad that it's not going to happen for many more weeks like that, but, but you've got five days to be there. You, you go if you're a student. You know, you get there at 7.30, 8 o'clock, you're there till 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock every day. Maybe you're involved in, in some type of sports. You've got practice to go to. Many of you work, and you're working a 40-hour week, a 50-hour week at your job, and you're, you're engaged in all of those things, and you have relationships with the people that you work with. You're, you're, you're doing the business of, of whatever your job is. You're going to sleep in varying amounts between now and next Sunday. You're going to listen to the radio and and listen to to music. Maybe you're going to read a newspaper or a book. You're going to be on some type of social media engaged in in activities there. You're going to do a lot of stuff between now and next Sunday. But if none of that involves the Word of God, hearing it preached on the radio or on television, listening to a, a podcast, Picking up your Bible and reading, looking at a devotional, even reading the the church's daily devotionals that we post online. 
If you don't do any of that between now and next Sunday, your heart is prone to forget the works and word of God. Because it seems like it happens a lot, right? We get back together and and it seems even longer for you because I'm up here talking longer than, you know, if you go and hear a preacher that doesn't say quite as much. There's something that you think about what I just said and you can think about it for a week. If you don't engage in the Word of God between now and next Sunday, hearing it preached and taught and studying it yourself, your heart is prone to forget. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care if it's been most of your life, if it's been 60 or 70 years, or if it's been a year or a week or a day. It doesn't matter if you are not hearing the Word of God. Your heart is prone to forget. He had this pivotal event that he reminded them of and he wanted them to come back to it often and think about it often because if not, they were going to be prone to forget. The fourth thing, verse 13. It's necessary to constantly remind ourselves of the words of God because the words of God remind us of His promises. Verse 13. And... He declares, so he's still talking about this event at Horeb where God is speaking to the people. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. You know, if you wait a week before you engage in the Word of God again, before you read it or hear it preached or whatever, that's a week for you to encounter the evil of this world without being reminded of the promises of God. Now think about that. If you go an entire week, you're going to be confronted from the time you leave here today until you come back next Sunday, you're going to be confronted with the evil of this world, with the wickedness that takes place, with the horrors that are going on in the world. You're going to be reminded of those things all the time without being reminded of the promises of God. Friends, that's a tough way to spend a week, isn't it? Think about the things you're going to see on television, the things you're going to read about on social media, on a newspaper, whichever medium you are taking in the news. You're taking it in somehow. You're going to see it in the place that you work. You're going to see it in your school. You're going to see it um, at your job. You're going to see it in your community with your neighbors. You're going to see how terrible the world can be. You're going to see how wicked the human heart can be. And you're going to do so without being reminded of the promises of God. Do you think that's healthy? Do you think that's spiritually healthy for you? To have to, for the next seven days, confront evil and come back here and get an hour and a half worship service 45 minutes to an hour of Bible study if you stick around for Sunday school and life application groups, which I hope you will. Some of you will come back tonight to Bible study. Some of you are engaged in small groups. But if that's it, you're going to confront evil all week without being reminded of the promises of God. 
They were about to walk in here to this wicked land that they were going to have to take over by force. And he wants them to remember, every time it gets hard, every time it gets difficult, every time you're tempted to stray away, go back and remember what I gave you when we came to the mountain at Horeb. When I gave you these Ten Commandments, the foundation of our covenant, you're going to live in them, you're going to follow them, and we're going to have this relationship. Be reminded of that often. He's already told them, teach your children, teach your children's children. Be reminded of what I have done and what I have said to you so that you may live well in the land that you're going into. Friends, it's not enough for us to come in and engage the Word of God once a week for a brief amount of time hoping that that I tell you something that is useful that, that, that I'm faithful to what God has said here in His Word enough that you can take that and kind of store that up and, and spread it out in little bits throughout the week to get you to next Sunday morning. And you better hope that you somehow don't get sick and can't show up next Sunday or that you're going to be gone on vacation or something because then it's going to be two weeks or three weeks before you hear it again. Friends, that's not enough to live on. We sing a song and it talks about God being the air that we breathe. So guess what happens if it's next Sunday morning before you're able to take in your next breath? Sometime long before next Sunday morning, we'll have already gathered here to speak some words over your casket as it goes to the cemetery. can't live without it we need to be reminded of it because it tells us about his promises and friends we can't live week to week on his promises we can only live moment by moment that's why we've got to constantly remind ourselves of the words of God and then the fifth thing from verse 14 and the Lord commanded me talking about Moses at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you're going over to possess. Here's the kicker. And this might not make you comfortable. But the words of God are not words that are automatically known. The the fifth reason that we need to constantly remind ourselves of the word of God is because they are not automatically known. You say, well, preacher, I've been in church since I was a kid. Okay. I have too. It's not been as long back as for some of you. I understand that. And there's many of you that could quote a lot more scripture than I can. That's not my strong suit. I've never tried to pass that off as something that I was good at. But if you had the entire Bible memorized, there are people out there that do. They have, they have the entire Bible memorized. It's, it's ridiculously impressive. We should create awards for people such as this and, and recognize them often. That is very impressive. But that didn't happen automatically. To my knowledge, no one listening this morning is able to quote the entire Bible. If you could, I would still tell you that you don't know everything because let me hear you put it 
together instead of just saying it, but that's neither here nor there. To my knowledge, none of you have the Bible memorized. If you do, please see me after service. I will, one, apologize to you, and two, next week, give you an award right here in front of everybody because, again, that's impressive. But the Word of God and the works of God are not automatically known. The day you became a Christian, it didn't fix everything. If it did, it's only because you became a Christian earlier today and things haven't got tough yet. It doesn't fix all your problems. It doesn't solve all your worries in this world. And you don't immediately, the moment you become a Christian, know everything about God, have His entire Word memorized, know everything that He has ever said, everything that He has ever done. It doesn't happen like that. And so we, we've got to put aside this idea that because we come to church once a week, because we've been saved for 50 years, that somehow that has solved all of our problems and we know everything there is to know about God. It was funny, when we were in El Salvador a couple weeks ago, there were some students in the school, and they were English students, and they had been taking English for a long time. But, of course, as, as you probably know, anytime you study a language but you're not immersed in that language, it's very difficult to know that language perfectly because there's little nuances and things like that. And some people, after years of study, get very good at it. But for the most part, if you're learning a language, but it's not the language you speak every day and you don't hear it every day, it's very hard to learn. So some of these students were excited that we were there because they had been studying English for years, but they had had very few people to talk to who spoke English. And unfortunately for them, they got me and my English abilities instead of someone who really spoke the language well, but, you know, it's, it's the first step. And so we were, we were thinking about some of the hard words that we could teach them because they want to know some hard words. So I'm sitting there going, you know, supercalifragilistic, but we thought that's not a real word, so let's not quite go there. And so I'm like, well, can you say onomatopoeia? You know, you know this word, it's an English word. I know some of you are like, that's an English word? I've never heard that before. It's, it's actually... An English word. And then I figured out, you know, you've got to explain the definition of onomatopoeia to someone who doesn't speak your language very well. And we figured that's probably not the best idea. So then we thought, well, we'll throw in some theological words. All right, so we're going to throw in some theological words. So we try to teach these Spanish-speaking high school students the word propitiation. As some of you are thinking, that's another, I've learned two English words in preaching today that I've never heard before. Onomatopoeia, propitiation, some of you have never heard those before. Well, the second one is a real word, and it's a theological word, and it's a very important theological word. And you say, well, that's just something you study in theology. Yeah, but it happens to be in your Bible. Did you know this? So you go home, you know, Google propitiation, you'll find it's actually in your Bible, like English Bibles. Well, why do I tell you that? What's that matter? What, what does it have to do with you? Well, let me promise you that this is not knocking any of you, but I bet a lot of you would struggle to give me the definition of propitiation. I struggle to give you the definition of propitiation, and I have two seminary degrees because it's a hard word. It's got a lot of meaning to it. I tell you that because the, the fifth point here from verse 14 is that we don't automatically know everything about the Word of God. And so if you could, in a, in a very well-formed like, sentence, define propitiation for me this morning, there's still a lot of other stuff out there. 
And as a Christian, we, we should want to learn that. We should want to constantly learn more about God. We're going to spend an eternity with Him. It's not going to do us a lot of good if we get there and we feel out of place. It's like we spent our entire lives studying everything else except God. We spent our entire lives working on everything else except knowing God. And we get to heaven, and the only thing that is important when we get to heaven is knowing God, and that's the one thing we didn't spend any time doing. You think about that? I, I love sports. Y'all know this. I like learning about sports. I like learning about new sports that I've not um, uh, learned about before because for some reason football is not played 12 months out of the year. It's a sad reality in our country. I would vote for a politician who would jump on that platform of making football 12 months out of the year. I think that's a winning argument. Unfortunately, nobody's taking it up. So I learn about new sports from time to time so that I can watch something when, when nothing else is on. Because I'm not watching baseball. I know some of you like it. It's just not happening. I just can't. Live, it's fine. I, I can't watch it on TV. I spend all that time learning about sports and trying to, to learn about the rules and learn about how the game works and learn about who the important players are in the game and, and, and things like that. But, but how much time do we spend learning about God? I hope there's football in heaven. There really should be. I mean, it makes sense. It just, it, but it might not happen. But God's going to be there. There's going to be no darkness. There's no time to sleep because God's light there all the time. And heaven is spent enjoying Him. Why would I not want to get practice doing that now? And yet we live often like everything that's been known about God. Everything that we could ever know. Everything that we could ever do. Everything that we could ever see about God or learn. Like we already know it. Like we're somehow these... these just super intelligent, super spiritual Christians that seem to know everything about it. That's how we live, and yet we know that's not the reality. Because again, most of our exposure to God is for an hour and a half or two hours on Sunday morning. We need to constantly remind ourselves about the Word of God because it is something we do not automatically know. These guys, these Israelites were going into a strange land. And it was going to be important in their relationship with God to constantly remind themselves of what He had said and what He had done. And friends, the same is true for us. As we navigate through this evil land that we find ourselves in, it is important for us to constantly remind ourselves of the words of God. Because friends, there's no words that are nearly as righteous. There's no words that are as impressive as what God has said. Our hearts are prone to forget. We're prone to forget what God has done. We're prone to forget what God has said. When we remind ourselves of what He has said, we are reminded once again of His promises. We're reminded of how He is our hope when we are in darkness. As we confront the evil in this world, God reminds us of Himself through His Word. And friends, we don't know them. We were looking in my small group that meets on Tuesday nights, which you're welcome to come to. We've just started 7.30 on Tuesday nights. We were looking at the number of people in the United States who have a biblical worldview. So that just means that they believe some basic things about the Bible. 
And the scary thing about the statistics, if they're true, and, and there's no reason to think they're not, what the statistics told us in our small group is that a lot of people in our church don't have a biblical worldview. Not, not just thinking about people out there. We, we know people out there don't have a biblical worldview. We know how they live. We know what they do. We know how they think. It's that a lot of us don't have a biblical worldview. And the reason for that is because we, we don't we don't believe that we need to remind ourselves constantly of God's Word. We think we can just go through life and do whatever and, and show up at church every now and then and that's, that's what it takes. But, but, but God has said so much more than that. Do you realize that it would take my entire life to preach through every verse in the Bible And it would take you not missing any Sundays. So that can't be enough. This is not enough. We've got to constantly remind ourselves of what, is God, what God has said. Because we need it. We need to know what God has said. We need to be reminded of what God has said so that we are equipped to go through this life, to live in this world, and to function the way God has called us to live. Once a week is not enough. Friends, if we had service every day, every morning we, we got together before anybody went to work and we had a full church service, friends, that would not be enough. Because we need to constantly remind ourselves of what God has said. That's the only way we have hope. That's the only way we're going to be able to get through the life that we have. It's the only way we're going to be able to get through this life living in this strange land that we find ourselves. Are you constantly reminding yourself of God's Word? If not, you're going to be prone to forget. You're going to struggle with His promises. You're going to get it in your mind you know everything when you don't. If you're struggling with that, I want to encourage you that, that today is the day to set aside the past. Today is the day to say, I'm going to, I'm going to remind myself of God's word. When I'm going through a struggle, I'm going to go to his word. When, I'm, when, I, when things are good, I'm going to go to his word. When I, I've got a decision to make, I'm going to go to his word. I'm going to find out what God has said, and I'm going to follow that. Friends, that is enough. Because he is enough. Are you constantly reminding yourself of God's word? Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace and mercy and peace that we have in Christ. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have given us your word so we don't wander through life with no instruction. God, we thank you that you've given us your word. God, in it we have peace. In it we have life. In it we have hope. God, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you're doing for us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your peace. God, lead and guide our hearts. God, show us your love and mercy. And God, remind us often of your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me this morning. 
as we sing, I, I just want to encourage you with this. You know, this, this is not one of those things where there's really something you can come and, and do at the altar, although obviously you can ask for God's direction at any point. But, but the thing for today is that, that when we go from this place, we, we've got to be directed by Him. We've got to be directed by His Word. We've got to be directed by His grace. He leads us. But we have the responsibility to remind ourselves often of what He has said. Remind ourselves often of what He has done. Because then our hearts aren't prone to leaving. Our hearts are prone to staying close to Him. We aren't prone to forgetting, but we're constantly being reminded. We, we rest in His promises instead of fighting against the turmoil of this world. I just want to encourage you, remind yourself often of God and what He has done and who He is. If God's speaking to your heart, He's calling you to respond, then I encourage you to do that, responding to His Word this morning. Let's sing together. Mm -hmm.